Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. All right, just pray with me real quick. Heavenly Father, I love you so much, and I thank you, God, that you allow us to be a part of seeing your kingdom be built here in Bloomington Normal. Lord, I ask you to bless your word today to speak through me, and we just give you all glory and all honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Whew, I needed that. (laughs) Okay, so we are in our different series, okay? And we're talking about how we can think different so we can live different so that we can make a bigger difference. And today we're going to be talking about thinking differently about the church, all right? And so as I was prepping this, um, I just... I, I. I got really, really, I got all in the feels. I got real nostalgic, and I was feeling really thankful and happy this week as I was prepping this. So you know that we just crossed our five-year anniversary of Compass being a church that stands alone on Sunday morning. And yeah, five years. And I only have a couple more gray hairs than I did when we started. And I just wanted to, there's so many new faces. I don't know, was anybody at the fall festival? Wasn't that awesome? Was anybody there? I mean, I thought it was a great party. Okay, there were so many faces of people that I didn't recognize. And I was just, just delighted in my heart at all the new people. And I thought, you know, not everybody probably knows all the details that go into making a Sunday morning happen here at Compass. And so I just want to kind of give you a little bit of a rundown here. Okay, here's, this is just for Sunday mornings. This is not youth. This is not small groups. This is Sunday morning. Okay, we've got a setup team, um, and we probably have, about, we try to have about four of them each week. Uh, and then there's somebody, of course, Mark Plankenhorn, my hero, who coordinates the setup team. We've got our media group back there at that table. Um, we can have four people involved back there because we've got sound, media, lights, and then, of course, Tracy Rosenberger back there coordinating that week after week after week. Yes. And everybody only looks back there when there's a problem. So we, we forgive us for that. We suck. And you're awesome. And so all the times you do it right and we don't give you props, props. Okay. Um, and then there's our band, okay? And each week there's up to eight people who are up here leading us in worship. And they practice and they prepare. And Kevin makes that schedule week after week. So he coordinates that. Thank God for Kevin and Jane Kaufman. They are a blessing to us. Okay, and then there's the hospitality team. Now, this is just the team that shows off because they're an army, okay? Each week, if every slot is filled, we have 13 people who serve in hospitality. Somebody's got to make the coffee. Praise God for them. We have people who greet at the front door. We have a midpoint greeter because, you know, somebody might get into the church and they look, they look at that panic deer in the headlight look. That midpoint greeter is there to be like, I see you. I got you. I know where to take you and how to show you where the bathroom is and where the coffee is and where the kids check in. Midpoint greeters rock. Okay. We have a new to compass table. There's somebody there. We have our merch table and Sherry does such a great job holding down the fort there. We have auditorium prep. You probably don't even notice this, but you know, you come in here each week and there's an offering envelope on every other seat. And sometimes we might have other information there for you. We have someone who comes in early after pre-service prayer and sets that up week after week after week. Okay. And then we have ushers. Thank you, Jesus. We got to pay the bills three ushers a week. And then the welcome packets that you get, those are assembled every week. Sue Pirtle, 
Props to you. Thank you for doing that. And then, of course, we have our hospitality coordinator. And you all like, really, Terry? Yes, I'm doing this because I am so overcome with gratitude for each one of these people. Okay. And then we have our card writing team. You know, people new come and they're new and they fill out their connection card. And we've got a team of people who write out handwritten notes. Thank you for coming. Stepping the little party in a box and shipping those off. Three people a week serve in there. Kids check in. Deanna Christensen, you kick butt. Running our kids check in. We got three people who did that a week. We got kids who pull wagons to get the preschoolers and the nursery kids way back there. And I got to tell you this. I want to, let me see your hands if you've got a preschooler or a nursery baby. Yes. I love you. And let me tell you why. Because you got to really love Compass Church to walk all the way down there at the end of service to get those babies. And I am like, I am asking God to give us a facility so that you don't have to walk like that. But let me tell you, thank you for getting in your steps in to be a part of this team. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I love all the wagon pullers who do that. So woohoo. Okay. Preschool and nursery. These are the rock stars of the church. We need five people back there in preschool and nursery week after week after week. Somebody's got to schedule all of those things. Someone's got to plan the lesson for the preschool. We plan the lesson for kids' church. We have a pre-service prayer leader every week. And we have people who count the offering. Jesus multiplied in Jesus' name. Two people are back there counting. Somebody's got to bring the message today. It's me. And then we have somebody who assembles all of the connection cards. Do you guys know that that is 55 people that we need just to make a Sunday morning happen in this wonderful portable church that we call compass. And I am so proud of you because do you know what? Statistically in the church, they say 20% of the people do 80% of the work, but we are at, okay. On a good Sunday, we've got about 180 folks. So we are just, we're at uh, 30.1% of participation just for the bare, like, like just showing up, we're at 30% of people who are saying, yeah, I'm not just a part of this church, but I serve here. And so I just am like, go compass. Thank you. Thank you all for serving. Thank you all for doing this. And so now I'm like, we're like, why are we exhausting ourselves? That is the question that we're asking today. Why are we doing this? What is the purpose of the church? Okay, and so if you ask other people, they might think, well, you know, the church is a place where you go, you know, if you need a wedding or if you have a funeral, you might go to the church and, you know, the church, they want your money and it's maybe a place for weak people to go feel better maybe. But what, what is the church all about? And so today I'm going to give you a little bit of a history lesson. Okay. We're going to walk step by step and just talk about what is the church? What is it for? How did it start? And so I, and I love God's word. And so we are going to um, look at this and just kind of figure this out. And so here's the thing. The church is really about one thing. The church is about Jesus. Jesus is what the church how the church started, what it's about. Because Jesus came to earth. He lived a sinless life. He had 12 buddies that he did life with, and they saw him do miraculous things. But then he was crucified, and they scattered. 
Only John is listed at being at the crucifixion when Jesus is there and he's dying on the cross. And he looks at John and he says, John, would you take care of my mother? Everybody's scattered. And their hopes were dashed because they thought this savior that they were following, they must have been wrong. They must have missed it somewhere because he's dead. And now we're scared because we don't want what happened to him to happen to us. The truth is, he did not stay dead, right? The resurrection happened. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he rose again, and all of the disciples saw him. In the Bible, it tells us that there were about 40 days after Jesus raises from the dead that he would appear to his disciples and that he would see them uh, before he ascended back to heaven. (laughs) I, uh... I think it's kind of funny. There's, um, if you're, if you look in the, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put it up on the screen, but in the book of Luke. So in, in the, in the Bible, the Bible looks like one book, but it's actually 66 books to, uh, put all together. And the story of Jesus, the account of Jesus's life, is in the four Gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're all written by the different people from different perspective and different relationship to Jesus. And I think it's interesting. And it is Halloween, so this is kind of fun. There's a little bit of a ghost story in the book of Luke. As um, at, the, at the end of Luke, um, two people uh, were walking on the road to Emmaus about, uh, about the things that had happened with Jesus. And then Jesus appears to them on the road to Emmaus. And they finally realize it's him and whatever. And so then they get to the disciples at another place and they're telling them what's happened. And Jesus just appears there to them. And... They all are like freaking out because he just appeared and that would be, that would be freaky, right? I mean, right? Would, that would be a little freaky. And, okay, whatever. I think it'd be freaky. And, and so he appears to them and they all look at him with disbelief and joy and wonder. And he shows them his scars. He's like, no, look, it's me. I know. And, he's, and he's telling them, I'm not a ghost. And he's like, is there any, do you have anything to eat? And it says that they gave him some fish and that he ate, he ate it. And they all stood there and just watched him eat it. Like, okay, he's, 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 he's swallowing the fish. He's not, anyway, I thought that was really wild. So anyway, but, but before Jesus, uh, after he has risen from the dead and before he goes back to heaven um, in different places, he has given the the decree of what we're supposed to do about it. So, and you may be familiar in Matthew's gospel. Um, it's called the Great Commission. If you grew up in church and you, you've heard that word, it's Matthew 20, 28, 18 through 20. And this is the Great Commission. And if you're, I'm just going to put it up. Here it is. It says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, so that's our, that's our Bible verse of why we have the church. We're supposed to go make disciples. Well, that, as a kid, I'm telling you, that always scared me a little bit. And I was like, I mean, I just really kind of gave my heart to Jesus because of fire insurance. I don't really want to go to hell. But I'm not really about um, going around and like make, I don't. I don't want to preach and I don't want to tell anybody about Jesus because that's weird. And that was kind of my growing up thought about the Great Commission. 
So I'm being like true confessions with Terry Shandro. Okay, so it, so Matthew in Matthew's account he says Jesus said go and make disciples. Well, then in Luke, Luke when he wrote his gospel, he actually was a doctor, and he wrote out his the, the book of Luke, Luke, and then he also wrote the book of Acts because he wanted the, there to be a very accurate account of Jesus's life. And the beginning of the church. And so he is very detailed. Um, so when you read his stuff, it's super detailed. There's lots of uh, fun things in Luke that might not be in the other ones. And one thing that's kind of cool about Luke is it's actually in the book of Acts. So, you know, in, he, he talks about Jesus uh, going back to heaven at the end of his gospel. But in the book of Acts, he unfolds the whole, like, how the church started. And it is a crazy roller coaster ride. So if you want to see some crazy stuff, read some nuts, like, roller coaster stories about the church. Read the book of Acts. Um, so here in, in Luke's writing, he talks about how he, Jesus basically said, I want you to stay here. And wait for the promise, and then you'll be my witnesses. So in, in Acts 1.8, it says, But you'll be, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so Matthew said, in Matthew's account, Jesus says, Go and make disciples. And then in um, Luke, Luke says, hey, I want you to go be my witnesses, but first you got to stay here and wait for this promise. And it's kind of cool too, because Jesus told his disciples, he says, look, it's better if I go away. It's better if I go to heaven because then the Holy Spirit can come. And that is going to be an amazing thing. So kind of cool thing that happened. Um, I won't turn there, but I'll just fill you in on the broad strokes. So they all are in Jerusalem, and they're waiting. And there's like 120 people uh, there in the early church. And Jesus has gone back to heaven, and they are waiting in Jerusalem for this promise that he talked about. And so they're there, and while they're there in their prayer meeting, and it was, it was in the morning, we know that, I don't know what time, but it said that there was a, a loud noise and a like a rushing, mighty wind. And the other people outside heard the noise of this happening. And when the Holy Spirit came to earth, there it looked like fire. Okay, this is, I know this is, this is the Holy Spirit. People can make it really weird, but this is what happened. Okay. And the Holy Spirit it looked like fire came down on their heads. That's what it looked like. And then they began to speak other languages. Now, what was crazy about this is in Jerusalem at that time was a big festival. So there are people from all over the world who are there, who are outside. And everybody, when the Holy Spirit came, they go outside and they begin to speak of the goodness of God. And everybody's like, this is crazy. These are just Galileans. How are they speaking my language? And they're, they're talking about all these wonderful things that God has done. When, of course, like always, there's going to be people who are going to not be excited about what God's doing. And there were mockers who said, they're just drunk. These people are crazy drunk, like going on and on about God at this early morning. And that's when Peter steps forward and he starts to speak about all of the good things that God has done. Starts to tell about Jesus and how he really is the Savior. And you can all know God because of what he's done. And do you know that and he said, plus we're not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. So maybe if we had church early in the morning, 
I don't know, maybe not. But, but they went, the church grew. It exploded that day. It began, it began 120 people that day. And it ended the day with 3,000 people who said, I believe in Jesus. It was amazing. So the Holy Spirit that Jesus sent gave power for them to go and, and begin this. And what was crazy, you guys, is the church, God says that God uh, blessed them and he added to their number every day. And it said that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to gathering in each other's homes and, and eating together. And, and they like gave all that they had to like take care of the poor. And there was just amazing things happening in the early church. Y'all should read the book of Acts. It's crazy, Okay. So Matthew, he said, Jesus was like, go and make disciples. Luke, he says, go and be my witnesses. And then John, John's uh, gospel. And John, I, John's my favorite, if I'm being honest. He's my favorite because, like I said, he showed up at the, at the crucifixion. And because he had such a close relationship with Jesus that Jesus entrusted him to care for Mary. And I love the way that John writes his gospel. And it's all about how Jesus just loved people just miraculously and and how he was love embodied and, and, and God himself walking among us. And John, when he writes his gospel, he doesn't write about the ascension or about Jesus saying, go and make disciples. The last story that John shares in his gospel, in his writings about Jesus is when Jesus has risen from the dead and the, the disciples are all out fishing and they haven't caught anything and they're out there and it's just like, they're tired, they haven't caught anything and they hear some, they hear Jesus actually calling him from the shore and, and Jesus, he calls to him and he says, hey guys, try putting your nets on the other side of the boat, which is, if you, if you know the story, when they originally caught, when Jesus originally called his disciples, that miraculous thing happened. They were out fishing and he said, hey, you know, put the nets down again and all the fish came in. And so anyway, they, they recognize that it's Jesus on the beach calling them. And they're like, it's the Lord. And it says, Peter jumped out of the boat and he just starts, he said he put his clothes back on first, which is weird. Peter fished naked, but he did. And so it said, and, and then they all are coming in and they're like to find Jesus and Jesus has breakfast there for them. And, and while they're there eating breakfast, Jesus goes to Peter and he, and he asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? And of course, Peter has denied Jesus um, before the crucifixion three times and he feels a mess about it. He's sick at heart about it. And so he asked Peter, you know, Peter, do you love me? And, and Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. And, and everybody's there. Everybody's hearing this. And then he asked, he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know I love you. And he's like, feed my lambs. And then that third time he asked Peter, you know, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, and he's, he's like wrecked over. Like, yes, Lord, I, you know I love you. And then Jesus again, feed my sheep. And so Jesus, in Jesus' last, in the, in, this, in the account that John leaves us with, is Jesus letting Peter and the other disciples and letting us know that this is all about the lost sheep, caring for the sheep. And so our directive from our wonderful Savior who came, who lived a sinless life, who was tortured and died for us and conquered death. He has charged us with 
making disciples, be my witness, take care of my sheep. You're like, well, I mean, okay. (laughs) So, all right. Let me, let me share with you. That's, and that's like, this is, this is the like, okay, these are the Bible reasons of why we do church. But I always think it's more powerful, not more powerful in the word, but it's powerful when somebody just shares their testimony. When someone just says, well, I don't know everything about the Bible and I don't know everything about God, but I know my story and let me tell you my story. So I'm going to tell you my story. Are you ready? Buckle up. So we were, I, my gosh, it would have been like, man, 26 years ago uh, or something like that. I don't know. I lose track. I was 18 years old. I'm 44. So no, you don't have to figure out the math. But I was, um, eight, I was 18 years old and our family was going through a divorce. And I know many of you have walked that. Either you've been the person who's going through that or your parents have done that. And I tell you, we were broken and chaos was reigning in our life. Now, Jesus restores and he heals. And I, today, my, my dad and his, his wonderful wife, Deb, they attend here. You know them and you love them. And my mom serves here and, 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 and attends here and you know her and love her. And God has made it so we all do life together and he's brought healing and restoration. But there, in that moment, in that 18-year-old girl's life, things were chaotic. I was engaged to a non—he uh, wasn't a Christian— Honestly, I was just trying to escape. And I was still mourning very much the death of my grandmother. She was not even 60 when she passed from colon cancer unexpectedly. And things were bad. And then <laughs> my story really begins at the Maverick Steakhouse in Clinton, Illinois. Anybody ever been to the Maverick Steakhouse in Clinton, Illinois? Is it still there? No, no it's gone. Oh, well, it's, yeah, well. <laughs> Okay, well, and this is, this is just extra. This is, oh, all right, I've already said it. I'm going I'm to tell this story. So that night, this thing happened, but it is not the real thing. So please, just, just, just sidebar, I got to get it out. So that night that I'm going to tell you my, my actual Jesus story, there at the, at the Maverick Steakhouse, I was there with my sister. She's four years younger than me, so 18, 14. And we go into the bathroom, and I go in there, and I go to the bathroom, and somebody's in the bathroom doing what you're supposed to do in the bathroom, and they're being loud about it. And I didn't realize that there was, I thought it was just me and Tara. And so I'm in, in there and I'm like, Tara, oh my gosh, you're so disgusting. And, and then I realize, I think it's just me and Tara in here. And so I hurry up real quick and I open the door and Tara's standing there. She's like, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. So I walked. And we like died laughing and we were so embarrassed and we ran back and I shouldn't have told that story. That was awful. But, but that happened. Oh, so don't ever call anybody out in the bathroom, ladies. It's just not nice. Okay. <laughs> So the day that I called somebody out in the bathroom, this also happened. And this is way more important. <laughs> so my mom and my sisters and I, and I've got a, uh, a sister who's 14 years younger than me too. So I think she was like four or three or four. Anyway, we're all eating dinner there. And do you know who happened to be at the Maverick Steakhouse in Clinton, Illinois, was actually Kevin's grandma, Becky Max. 
And Becky and Gary Max came over to our table, and they knew that we were going through a hard time. They didn't know all the details, but they came over to our table, and they said, you know, you really ought to come to visit the church. It's been a while since you've been there. We got a new pastor. We have this amazing, amazing, well, we think it's going to be awesome, Christmas program. You should come to it. And so they invited us to come. And so my mom and my sister uh, and my, well, all, th- all three of us, we head over to First Assembly for their Christmas program. And we walk in the door, and there was somebody there to greet us and say hello, and that was wonderful. And do you know that there was somebody who was, there was a couple people working childcare, and so little Amanda had, had a place to go so that we could go into the service, and she wouldn't have to worry about wiggling around too much. And I walked in, and I saw... Christopher Shandro standing there. Oh, yeah. And he was up there, and he was playing bass guitar. And I was like, wow, he grew up. That was cool. And and we, we sat in the service. And, you know, I hadn't been to church in a long time, and I really wasn't living my life a lot for God, really just searching and living for myself. And... The presence of God was there in such a way that I didn't feel judged, and I didn't feel guilty. I just felt warm and welcome and held. And it was amazing. And that was the beginning of me coming back to Jesus in complete and total surrender to him. I got out of the relationship that I was in. And I started attending the church, like, faithfully. Like, if the doors were open, I was there. And uh, Chris's mom actually was the choir director. I joined the choir because I love to sing. And uh, Logan Clarenson, he's in here, his mom was one of the youth leaders there. And so she would come, and Logan and Bryce were little tiny kids, and they would, like, wrap their, they were little boys, and they would, like, that they, when they'd show up at youth and they would like wrap themselves little toddlers around your legs and you'd walk with Logan and Brian. Anyway, like people were serving and people um, were totally committed to doing the work of the church. And because they were, like it, it wasn't just I came to church and there was somebody who gave a great message and that was it. It was a whole body of people who were not just going to church, but they were being the church. And the local church saved my life, completely saved my life. And the thing is, is I know that you probably, if you haven't been hurt by the church or you, you probably know someone who's been hurt by the church, but here's the beautiful thing. Jesus plan for this was us. We are the church's plan A and there is no plan B. Like we're it. We are the hope of the world. The church is plan A, and there's no plan B. That's one of our core values. And I know that there may be things where you're like, I'm dealing with hurt from the church or from my past. But here's what's beautiful about that. is the church is made up of imperfect people, which means that no one is disqualified for being a part of building this kingdom. You, you have a story you have a Jesus encounter, then you are part of the church. And it is time 
for you to stop being a consumer in the church where you just come and you sit and this makes me feel better. I check it off the list and I go out. People, that's not what we are about. We are, church is not a place that you attend. It is something that we are. If Gary and Becky Max had just sat in their seat and saw us across the restaurant and decided to just gossip about how our life was falling apart instead of getting up and coming over and extending an invitation and saying, wow, we're praying for you. We know things are rough. They were being the church. It's who they are. And I thank God for them. So today, today maybe, maybe you're in a place like where I was in that restaurant. And you are just living a life that has utter chaos right now. You know, in Genesis, when it talks about how God was creating the earth, it talks about how the earth was, uh, was a, there was a void and how the spirit of the Lord hovered over the chaos and the darkness. If you are living a life right now that is just chaos is reigning, the spirit of the Lord hovers over the chaos. And he wants to bring order and restoration. And he wants to do that using the local church. So if you're here today, and maybe you need to come to Jesus and say, I'm all in. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that I am not alone. Thank you that you made me on purpose, for a purpose, and that you are with me and you are for me. Maybe today is your day to come to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're, you're like, you know, I go to Compass. I think it's great. But I just kind of, I just kind of sit here. I'm not, I'm, you know, there's 30% that serve and I'm cool to just, I've just been cool to sit here on the bench and observe. Maybe today you understand in a new way that the church is the hope of the world. And, and you can't just sit by anymore, but you got to get on a team and you got to serve. Maybe today is your day. Maybe you've been fine to just hang around and consume, and today is your day. You're like, you know what? I am all in. This is God's plan to save the earth, to save the world, to save people. And I am not just going to serve, but I'm going to give. And I don't have a lot, but I'm going to give God what I have because the church is the hope of the world. All right, and all you 30 percenters, I know a lot of you serve and serve and serve. And maybe you think you're not seen, and maybe you forget, and you're like, I don't even remember why we're doing this, and I'm just tired. And today, you're like, I need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit gives us power to witness. And I'm weary, and I've been doing this on my own, and I need, my, I need my perspective to change, and I need God's presence in my life in a new way. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here, and you have past church hurts, and you have been carrying around your wounds for years, and you use it as your reason to keep the church at arm's length 
say, nope, not again. I am not going to get hurt again. And people, I'm telling you this because I've lived this. Wounds from God's people that could have taken me out. But you see, I know my Savior. And people are imperfect, but he is perfect. And he is faithful. And he will be faithful to restore you and to heal you. And he's asking you to be brave and to take a step forward and say, you know what? I want to be a part of the church. I'm going to let God heal me. I'm going to give all that garbage and baggage to him. And I, afresh and anew, want to be a part of the church. Because it's plan A, and there is no plan B, and people need to know that Jesus loves them. Would you stand to your feet? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I just, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but if today, if you are just living in chaos, and you need God to bring some order to your chaos. You can I mean believer, non-believer, but like you just, you just need God in the midst of your chaos right now as a, as a, as a, um, step of faith. Would you just, just raise your hand up so I can know who I'm praying for? Yes. Heavenly father, we thank you, God. That you are so wonderful and so big and you love us so much. And Lord, I thank you that even in your vastness, that you are well acquainted with every detail of our life, Lord. And so God, I speak peace to the lives in this room right now in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that you hover over our chaos. And so, God, I pray that you would bring everything into order. And, God, that your church would rise up and be the support and love for each other that we need and that we're meant to be, God. We are tired of just coming to church. Lord, we want to be your church. So, God, we give you this. We give you our life. And Lord, for those today who are ready, who say, I want to make a commitment, like from here on out, Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus, you're mine. I am on your team. I want, I want this gift that you have given me. I want to follow you. I want to know you all my days. Lord, right now I ask God that in this moment, if that's you, just in this moment, just... Tell the Lord, just say, Jesus, I'm yours now. Forgive me of all my sin and be the leader and the savior of my life. Thank you, Jesus. And now, Lord, lastly, I pray, God, that we would have a renewed presence of your spirit. Holy Father, that... Your spirit would fill us and be a part of our life, Lord, that your presence would be thick in our lives. God, so that we're not just the church when we're here and we're serving, but we're the church when we're out there. God, open our eyes. Give us heaven's eyes to see the one. To see the people, the hurting and the broken all 
around us, Jesus. We love you, and we ask you just to show us what to do, and we'll do it. In your precious and mighty and holy name we pray. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.